Hey guys, this is Joe. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're going to live to enjoy all the glorious fruits life has to offer. Acne, shaving, premature ejaculation, and your first divorce. What's up, guys? It's Eric. The last time you pulled this jive, jitterbug, tough, gonad shit, people lost body parts. On June 18th, this is a magic ticket. Get ready to be transported out of the audience and into the action. Holy cow! I'm in the movie! Who the hell are you? I'm Danny Madigan. I'm a kid. This summer, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Jack! Everybody down! And Jack Slater is the last action hero. The big ticket for 93. You're listening to Worth a Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time, see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? How you doing? Not too bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I, I've said this before on the podcast like a couple episodes ago, but my work finally announced that my work announced that we're not going back till at least Labor Day. So I feel like I'm finally now settling into working from home because before I, I kept like waiting for them to tell me that I was going to be going back in two weeks. So I'm like finally getting used to this room that I'm in. And yeah, it's nice. You watch anything good on TV? I'm actually rewatching uh, Chuck. Do you, ever, okay. do you ever watch Chuck? I know your brother liked Chuck. Yeah, my brother did. And I, <laughs> I didn't like not like it. I just never got into it. Yeah, it's. It's one of the shows where it's like a villain of the week type of thing, but it's it's a fun, it's it really is fun, and it has like a lot of cool references to other movies and TV shows, and it's written by the uh, the amazing Josh Schwartz of OC fame. And who who's in that <laughs> show? Who are the who? I can't Zach remember. Levi, um, he's he's a lead. He's Chuck. Okay. Yvonne, she's the uh, actress Sarah. Um, uh, the ball Baldwin. I forgot his first name now. Adam Baldwin. Okay. Um, hmm. so it's like it's a pretty good cast yeah sounds good yeah like I, it's i i know a few people that like that show i just for some reason i never got into it i i i don't watch a ton of tv show. i think if that show is that show on something right now is it on like hulu or something you know what's warner brothers so it might be on hbo max okay so i have hbo max so i'd probably be more likely to get into that show now watching it in reruns than i would have been yeah. when it was on so it's an easy th- it's like you can watch you, you know, there's like an ongoing story arc throughout the series, but you could easily pop on episode two and just have fun with like random episodes. It's right, that type of show, right. thankfully. Brie and I, speaking of, or, or to take it down to a negative place, Brie and I just finished watching. Did you ever watch The Keepers on Netflix? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Did you Did you grow up Catholic? I can't remember. I'm Catholic, and I, I'm probably the worst Catholic though. Like I would go to church like throughout like maybe <clears throat> like Christmas Eve and major holidays, but nothing like. I was never a good Christian. I went to CCD though. I did go to CCD. So this show is about like uh, a crime and a controversy involving the Catholic church in Baltimore, Maryland. And it's like some of the stuff that you expect, but then it's to another level. It's, it's a seven part um, like docu-series on Netflix and it, with all the controversies like the priests and all that and it is but there's a little twist on on what you i think what you would expect with that and then there's also like more layers to it and it kind of gets into the connection that the catholic church may or may not have had with like the police and with local government and there's just more layers to it and, and it was i i always ask people 
because I know like my father grew up Catholic. I, I didn't grow up uh, Catholic, but I remember I told him one time to watch, I think it was when I, I told him to watch Spotlight and he like wouldn't watch it. He was like, no, no. And it, it just like it hit too close to home for him or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I don't, you know, some people out there may not be into it for that reason, if you know, which is totally understandable. Free country, watch it, don't watch what you want. But if you're into true crime stuff, I think this actually came out a few years ago. But Bree and I just watched it. It was, it was, it was crazy. So, is it uh It's you said it's on Netflix. It's an original series on Netflix. Yes, yeah, okay. it's a Netflix. I believe it's Netflix original, but it's on Netflix and it's called The Keepers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you're into if you're into true crime, I would definitely check it out. I like this like ongoing to do list now with all your with all the things you recommend me here. It's like I I slowly watch them, but I do have I do add these all to my little to watch list. So we, you know what part of the problem is like Bree and I don't watch that much TV. So like we right now we have like five true crime things on our watch list on Netflix, and like each month we'll probably watch like one or two of them. But then Netflix comes out with like three new ones a month, so yeah, it's, it it's... feels like we're making progress, but we're not. We're drowning. In- and I'm someone who, like, despite all this great new content that comes out, I still go back and watch the same things over and over again. Like, I'm watching Chuck again. So it's like, I've watched the show, like, three times already. So it's, I still go back to the same things I'm, I'm comfortable with. I totally agree with that. I have watched, in, in probably in the past two months, I've watched, a, a, like, uh, I've watched He Got Game probably, like, three times. I've watched Above the Rim a couple times. So, yeah, no, I'm the same way. And then Bree and I are also slowly cautiously trying to get back out into the world a little bit because we're yeah. since we're vaccinated we're, we're kind of how are you handling it because we're i still don't feel comfortable like i don't want to not that i would be doing this anyway but i wouldn't want to go it's like a crowded bar on like a friday night no but, i wouldn't either i still i still avoid i still <laughs> avoid like i wouldn't go like if i travel i won't go on a bus or train or anything quite yet i won't yeah. i still wear my mask around actually i was talking to my uh to my coworker. This is the first winter in a long time where I never got sick once. Oh, I yeah. Because no. I wore a mask all throughout the entire winter. So I'm like, I may continue this when I go to crowd places every so often. Just because it's like, it's, I, it was nice not getting sick for once. <laughs> I've said that to, I've said that to Bree. Um, one, one place where I would 100% consider wearing a mask from now on is like if I travel and going on an airport and an airplane, because I have the worst, like, I never get sick really. But whenever I um, fly somewhere, like the first day or two that I, after I land, I'm like, no, I don't feel great. It's because you're on an airplane with like recycled air and just yeah. crap. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with it. Yeah. We're, we're talking about just like, like, for example, we'll, we'll be like, all right, I think I'd feel comfortable going down to like Caldi's and having like an egg sandwich and sitting in there and having an egg sandwich or whatever. But I wouldn't feel comfortable going to, like I said, like a, a crowded bar or whatever. And yeah, no, I'm the same way, but I don't know. It baby steps. steps. For, yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's just it, once we like, I think <clears throat> like everyone in my office is all vaccinated. We've, we all have the vaccine. We're all, we've all waited the 15 days for like immunity to us. So like we are good to go, but we still wear a mask in the office. And I think right. like that's going to be like that for a little while now, like that transition to yep. when it's okay to stop wearing this mask in public. Right. New Hampshire but, just removed it today. Oh, or starting, they, oh. starting tomorrow. Starting oh, tomorrow. I you don't have to wear it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, obviously independent businesses can do whatever they want, but, right. um, but anyway, so, um, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I will to say though, I do have to make my plug. I, I I've been making my gaming plugs very so often. So okay, I've been plugs, my gaming plugs. So I've PS3 Vita. I'm a, I like, I go back to my old games very so often. It's someone who has like, I don't know, that's so many games and like, I collect games. This is my thing, movies, games, but PS3 and Vita, Sony announced they're closing the stores down. 
in a few months. So you can no longer buy content from these stores. Um, so this kind of, I already have my thing plugged in. I still play, like I said, every so often, but I kind of want, this inspired me to kind of motivate me to go into the store and buy new stuff and play uh, games here and there. I redownloaded a game I played a long time ago, Defiance. It was a PS3 and PC MMO that came out along with the show on Sci-Fi Network. So it was a really cool thing at the time where they had their Defiance show, which actually got canceled after three seasons. So it wasn't a big success. And then their MMO. And that game's closing at the end of this month. So I've been playing that nonstop. And man, it is like, it's a buggy mess, has so many problems, but it is oddly really fun. So like, I've been playing that with like the few people still playing that game online. And good, it's good. been a pretty fun time killer at night when I'm just like kind of <clears> relaxing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I totally. I know the gamer struggles. Oh, I can't wait for can't MLB. wait for MLB MLB <laughs> 21 the show to come out next week. Eric texted me the day, showing me a picture of what he's doing. All right, watching baseball, and then he gets into the <laughs> he gets into what he's been playing while waiting for MLB, and he tells me fucking Call of Duty. Which, I mean, if you if that's what you play, awesome. But this is someone who traded Uncharted for. All right. We traded Uncharted 4 for, I don't even know what, for MLB. It was either, it was either MLB <laughs> or NHL. Or NHL. <laughs> so, Those are the only two games I buy. Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that gamer life. I know. <laughs> I know the struggle. But so um, it was your pick today. So we, you guys heard the trailer and you, you heard our quotes. Maybe you picked from our, picked out our quotes. But if you did, that's impressive. But. Uh, we're going to be talking about Last Action Hero, and Joe's going to tell you, it was Joe's pick, he's going to tell you why he picked it in a second, but, <clears throat> excuse me, before he gets into that, I'm drinking Superhero Sidekicks uh, from King Kings County Brewers, it's an IPA, super orangey, pineapple drinkable, delicious, so, but, uh, I know I know it's not technically Last Action Hero, it's not technically like a superhero superhero, but it kind of is, if you've seen the movie, it's it's kind of like a, he's an action hero. So he's, yeah, he's one of the top action hero. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, why did you pick last action hero? So go back to the quotes real quick. You just reminded me. I, I couldn't choose between a couple of quotes as I told Eric before this. So I'm also going to throw in, I really loved the quote. I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Rauschenweiger. So I'm sure I'm trying to process last name is how we all feel. I think at some point. Yes. <laughs> yes. But Last action hero though. This is a movie that, I owned on VHS and I loved and I watched it quite a bit growing up when I was younger, but it's been a while since I've actually revisited as an adult. So going down our list of movies that I've wanted to watch, this one kind of shot right up. So I figured it'd be a good time to revisit this and give you an excuse to rewatch it. When was the last time you saw this? Do you think? Um, Probably like, it's like eight years ago. So it's been a while. So it has been a little bit. Yeah. 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 I have a confession. This was my first time seeing this one. I know I, I texted you this. I wasn't sure if I'd seen it. Um, part of me thought that I would start watching it. At least it would stir up some memories and I'd be like, oh, I remember this scene or that scene, but nothing. This is my definitely my first time seeing it. So I don't have a, a first time memory, but. And yeah, that's. And with me, I think, I mean, I this movie's. I'll mention this after, but it's more than a guilty pleasure for me. But I think without nostalgia, it might be a little rough for people <laughs> watching it for the first time now. <clears throat> well, you know what's weird is 
I talked to, I mean, we'll get into the, um, the stats and how it was critically received and everything. But what was weird for me is I did talk to a few people that I know, including some people that I, I, I value their opinion on, on movies and, and they really, really liked it. So I, I think it's, it's, I don't even think it's a guilty pleasure. I think it's like a niche movie. No, yeah, I agree with that. It really has its own following. Cause this movie we'll get into, but it didn't do well in a lot of places reviews yeah. box office in certain parts but it's yeah it's it, it's it's not a gonorous news falling for sure throughout the years yeah. yeah do you have any stats as far as how it did do financially i do um the last section hero came out on june 19th 1993 and had a budget of 85 million making 137.3 million in the box office um so at least it made some money it was directed by john mctiernan who has directed arguably a couple of the best action films of all time with die yep. hard and predator it was written by Shane Black, who has a distinctive voice of his own with screenwriting. Uh, and he's known for films such as Lethal Weapon and my personal favorite of his, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, and it was also, I actually didn't write this down here, but I was looking into it. It was also written by David Arnett, who is an act, who's acted, written, he's done a lot of things. He's only written this film. His, his, his background is only with this film and a couple of shorts tied to the last action hero, um, I guess, world universe they created, like yep, yep. a sequel to like Jack Slayer and so forth. But he's more of an actor, but still pretty cool to see all these people kind of come together, especially Shane Black and John McTiernan for this film. Yeah, I saw a few names. I, I When we get to random facts later, I, I didn't actually write them down, but I saw a few names, including some. I can't remember who it was, like a bigger name actress that was reportedly tied to the writing in this film because it was written and then handed off to an... Yeah, Carrie right? Fisher. Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher. actually That's did one of the... Uh, yeah, she actually was one of the... Um, that's She's famous for this being one of the films that she just kind of looked over and not being credited for it. The late, great Carrie Fisher. Yep. Um, so is that... Is that a, are you good with your... Yeah, that was, that's pretty much it. Um, going back to screenwriting, though, I will say Shane Black is the only writer in Hollywood who could probably get away with the way he writes. So just kind of like a screenwriting plug here, because I did a lot. I, I this is one of the guys I would kind of like look study and my, for my personal choice here. And when he wrote the screenplay, there's like a certain structure you follow. Typically when a screenplay you, you write, you know, your, the action, like narrations, whatever, and then you dialogue, but you want to keep certain like actions pretty brief and not get, too wordy because you want them to you want to flow pretty well you don't want you know when people read it you want to be an easy read shane black would write useless unneeded descriptions (laughs) in his screenplays like if he's describing a house for example he would write in the thing um mel gibson whatever someone goes into this house and then we put in parentheses a house i can never afford in parentheses and he would like into like he would write like that like he would always like make these like little jokes throughout his screenplay which is like you cannot do that. Yeah, that would Let's be like a red toes. flag in typical Hollywood, but he somehow gets away with it. And his scripts, if you ever want to check him out, if you ever like want to read a screenplay, his are a ton of fun to read. Yeah, no, it's it's I, people that do like a little twist like that. I like stuff like that. So good for good for him for keeping everyone on their toes. I read also about as far as just before we get into the critical acclaim, this movie was as far as how it did financially, it was set up for failure pretty much from jump because they didn't get all their edits done. They didn't have enough time because the studio was insisted on getting it out for June 18th. And I think they, they wanted to push it back to like either July or August, but Jurassic park came out in 
the week before. And, you know, I don't have to tell you how big Jurassic Park was, but so a, they had people seeing, you know, cause a movie like Jurassic Park, people are seeing that for the first six to eight weeks that it's out like that. Exactly. If you go to the movies, that's where you're going to see. Right. Spielberg's already brand new at that point. You just see students who are attached to it and you're already like, that's enough to get people to go. Well, especially a movie like Jurassic Park, where the, it's so different. Like it's, right. it's such a different. Kids like dinosaurs. Yeah. And... <laughs> right. So, so that, and then also because they tried to rush it to get to the June 18th date, they didn't even have all their editing done. And one quote that I read from Siskel and Ebert, um, or the one quote that I read was, I think it was from the uh, anonymous movie worker said, it was someone involved with the film said, we should have had Siskel and Ebert telling us the movie is 10 minutes too long. And it, and it was, it's, it, they just didn't get there. Yeah. They didn't trim the fat like they wanted to. There might've been some stuff that they wanted to leave in that they took out because they were rushing it. But um, as far as critically, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, which is actually not horrible for a movie like this. Um, 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, not great. 2.5 stars from Ebert. And a quote from his review, maybe younger viewers around the age of the young hero will identify with identify with it. I was disappointed. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it didn't, didn't do great. Some other stuff that was going on um, in June of 93, in film, we talked about Jurassic Park, but there's some other big hitters. So Jurassic Park, Last Action Hero, Dennis the Menace, which I probably actually saw that in theaters in 93. I actually Sleep- did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I did. I too. was really, I was really young. So if you one of my, one of the uh, earlier films I saw along with Toy Story there, I believe, but yeah, I was in yep. a, yep. Sleepless in Seattle, The Firm. So big, big month for, for movies, you know, typical summer month in the early nineties. And before we move on, actually, um, that was one thing I was thinking I was saying to Bree is I was like, that might be one of the first things that I'm like down to do is if Chunkies did or like, you know, a place like that, if we wanted to go like watch a movie there, I would do that. That might be one of my first. Cause it's like nice high ceilings and you know, I've got my vaccine. I'm good. But right. anyway, so outside of film, other stuff going on in 93, you will never hear me start another random fact with this, these two words again, I don't think in cricket, Graham Gooch dismissed dismissed handled the ball. I don't know what that means versus Australia. I have no idea what that means. I just wanted to talk about someone named Graham Gooch and I wanted to talk about cricket a little bit because I was like, how often fans out there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, besides that, Prince celebrated his birthday by changing his name to a symbol. The Montreal Canadians beat LA to win the cup. Their last one. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was nominated by Bill Clinton to the Supreme Court. Ken Griffey Jr. hit his 100th career home run. And uh, Late Night with Letterman airs for the last time on NBC. So that was that big late late night scandal where everyone and their mother assumed that he was getting uh, the Tonight Show and that Letterman was getting Tonight Show and he got kind of screwed over. So that was his last uh, uh, airing of the 1230 spot on NBC. But do you have anything down for the uh, the back of the DVD summary? I do. This one? Yep. So, following the death of his father, Danny takes comfort in watching action movies featuring the indestructible Los Angeles cop Jack Slater. After being given a magic ticket by theater manager Nick, Danny is sucked into the screen and bonds with Slater. When evil fictional villain Benedict gets his hands on the ticket and enters the real world, Danny and Jack must follow him and stop him. I did you did they ever say what happened to his dad or did I miss that or no? I don't think so. Yeah, I think the mother just mentioned at the beginning that she's she didn't ask to be a widow, and I think that's what you kind of assume at that point. But I could miss it too. 
I give his mother points for one thing. She, I, I think I kind of wrote this down later on, but she was on to how creepy the theater guy was. You know how we always talk about like the like, why did uh, you know? There's a there's a million characters in film where you're like, why was that guy hanging out with high school kids or like younger? In, the, in this case, way younger. She was like, that guy's weird, son. He like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I like, I believe that she was like a mother in real life. Like she no, acted sure. like a real mother. Which, like it was. No, she was good. She was a, as as movies go. She was an all star mom. She was. You know, there's a lot of them are are not great. The, there's one. I'll I'll have to bring it up when we finally do this movie, and we will do it this year. But there's one mom. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, she is like my. I think she's like the Wayne Gretzky of movie moms. We'll do we'll do the wow. better than the yeah. exam mom. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, so as far as how people were doing going into this one, you talked about some of the work of director John McTiernan, but crazy resume so predator and die hard like you said also hunt for red october die hard with a vengeance and then he kind of went downhill a little bit thomas crown affair 13th warrior rollerball i do have to mention he did win an award for this one he won a couple awards i think for this one he won the golden raspberry for the worst director and the worst picture and he also won an award for this one called the stinker i didn't i hadn't heard of that one i've heard of the razzies but i hadn't heard of that one but um so arnold probably heard of him jack aka jack slater in this one pumping iron in 77 conan the barbarian in 82 conan the destroyer in 84 terminator in 84 so once you get into terminator terminator now we're like officially in hollywood arnold time i think commando in 85 raw deal in 86 predator and running man in 87 red heat and twins in 88 total recall in kindergarten cop in 1990 uh Terminator 2, he had this one in 93. True Lies, which is one of the only Arnold movies I like grew up watching. True Lies and Junior in 94. Jingle All the Way in 96. And Classic. then Batman. Huh? Classic. Jingle All the Way. Classic. Like. Yes. This year, and everyone. This this year. Stick around. <laughs> this is did, we not, did we not do that? I'm not even joking. I thought we, we did that. Did we do it? I don't think so. Because I, I, I remember we had a small amount of films to choose. So we did Home Alone. We did Polar Express and we did. What'd you pick? You had the one pick. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. No, we didn't. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 This year, Um, this year, this December, all the way. I can't wait. So excited. (laughs) And then uh, Batman and Robin in '97. Uh, Austin O'Brien, who played Danny Madigan, kind of the main character, not a ton of work. Um, Last Action Hero, My Girl Two, Babysitters Club, Um, and then on TV he had uh, Touched by an Angel and Promised Land. And then uh, Charles Dance, who played Benedict, who, when I was, the minute I saw him on screen, I was like, what is that guy from? And when you, I, when you search him on like Wikipedia or IMDb, the first thing that comes up is the answer. He's Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones. He's also got a, he's got a million things. He's got a, a long running career, but he's also known for the Jewel Crown in, in 84, the Golden Child in 86, Alien 3 in 92. And then he's also been in a couple of seasons of The Crowns. Um, which I, I haven't watched yet, but it's crazy successful. So quite the career. Um, did you have anything down for um, random facts about this one? I have a couple, but I, I think you have some. I have a couple. And uh, we probably already kind of touched upon a little bit with the production here, but then we continued until a week before the movie debuted in the theaters. This movie had a trial production and apparently preview audiences who screened the film didn't like the rough cut, which is what led to 
filming pretty close to the actual release date to begin with. Charles Dance, I just mentioned, uh, said in interviews that after being told that he had won a part turned down by the great Alan Rickman because of the salary, he wore a t-shirt on set which read, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. I thought that was pretty great. Love Alan Rickman. I do too. And then Arnold thought the script was one of the best he'd ever read. He especially liked all of the elements of comedy, action, drama, and satire in it. You know what's weird about Charles Dance is once you know that this, I also heard that Timothy, Timothy Dalton was considered for the role, but once you know that this was supposedly they wanted Alan Rickman, you can kind of see how Charles Dance like vocally and audio wise is like diet Alan Rickman. He's cause Alan Rickman's voice is like one of the best ever. Oh yeah. I really do wish I love Charles dance, but I really wish Alan Rickman kind of reprised his role with, and kind of reunited with John McTiernan and like that action role. Yeah. I think it'd be a ton of fun, like kind of yeah. spoofing his character. But... Alan Rickman's the best. Yeah. He, it's... Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't have any other facts other than that. I, I just kind of, I think that most of it, there, there are a decent amount of random facts about this film, but most of them are circle, circle around how the production of it and the editing of it and whatever was a hot mess. It was just a complete, you know, shit show. And they had the studio saying this, the director saying this, the actors saying that, the producers saying this. So it was like too many cooks in the kitchen and it, they totally messed it up. It, you wonder how this would have done. I mean, I know they do. I wonder how this would have done if they did what they said they wanted to and they waited till August or September or whatever and they didn't try to go head to head with Jurassic Park. But um, I mean, it still wouldn't have been anywhere near what Jurassic Park is. I mean, but. No, I know. Like, but like I said, like you think about what this film could have been. And right now, like we see it having such awesome success after years after. It's going to be special edition treatments for DVD. It's getting released in 4K pretty soon. Like there are some movies that haven't been released in 4K yet that probably should have been before Last Action Hero. So the fact that this is kind of jumping ahead of the others here is pretty cool. Seeing how how much people love this film. Right, right. I um your quote in the beginning of the movie about uh, the joys of later life was it, the only thing that I had written down and. But did you have anything written down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment? And I should say that it's not necessarily the quote. It's just that I didn't think that this movie would get a PG-13 rating with stuff like that today. But nothing that offended me. No, and that's not a, that's pretty much what I had written down to is nothing that wouldn't pass in 2021 in the movie. So, yeah, it's also clearly there. It's it's clearly just they're trying to be as ridiculous as possible. So. <laughs> Yeah, not, nothing that bothered me. What, what did you have down for a uh, favorite scene? So I'm going to mention two things here. I love how this movie opens, and I really do love all the Jack Slice scenes throughout the film, even though that's probably something that could have been trimmed down. I thoroughly enjoyed those scenes. Um, the other scene I always enjoy and laugh at is when Jack takes the body from the casket and yells, this means a doctor continuously in a panic. Only then does someone say, I'm a doctor, which throws Arnold and his plan completely off. He then tells the doctor to check this man's uh, check this man's chin, only to have the dead body headbutt the doctor, knocking him out. Arnold then yells, "The doctor has fainted. Can someone help this man here? I'll take the corpse. I mean the patient. Look, an elephant." The whole scene was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I love it so yeah. much. It's just... <laughs> but right, like as I was watching this, 
I was like thinking the entire time, writing for the last extra must have been a blast. Being able to like make fun of the genre, the obvious plot holes that appear, not have to worry about logic because of what the film theme is, must have been a ton of fun to write, despite the production like troubles. But like script wise, must have been so much fun. Yeah, and and there, I mean, there are a million. This is one of those where if you you could watch this, you know, ten times. If you're especially if you're an '80s action movie fan or an 80s, 90s action movie fan, you could watch this 10 times and each time pick out a new reference. They're like, oh, they're talking about Lethal Weapon. Oh, they're talking about this, talking about that. So it is, it is I could see, I see what you're saying, how writing for it would have been a ton of fun because it's probably, it was probably a fight of like, you know, how many can we fit in? How many references can we fit in? And then the music stuff too, like um, the scene at the beginning when Jack goes to that house to talk to was what is his was it his uncle uh his, his, his might be his, his cousin okay yeah well, whatever that, the older guy who and the house ends up blowing up and one of the cops that was with them like his dying words are like two weeks left to retirement or something like that and that's that's an homage to lethal weapon and then right after that the music if you notice in the background does like the lethal weapon riff with the music so it's like it, yeah, and it's so funny. This, Shane Black wrote like he—he's the writer of this movie. Him and one of the guy, but like you can tell a lot of this is like Shane's voice for sure. Yeah, and it's—it's it's, um, it's that sort of thing where it's stupid. If you if you look at it on the surface level, it's it's just seems just stupid, but it's actually smart. If you if you know if you know what he's referencing, he, it's smart. It's it's just you know. It seems it's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I always say like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. People that just watch five minutes of it, like that show's stupid and it's about nothing. But there are so many layers to it that if you really, you know, those guys are geniuses. So, um, um did you? I can't remember. Did, did you have another favorite scene or is that? No, it? that was pretty much it. That I like the just like scenes, but I also, I, my favorite scene that was probably the whole funeral, the casket scene. It's hilarious. Okay, so my favorite scene was when when Danny left the police station and was supposed to go right home. But instead, he went to the theater to see a movie with Danny, the the creepy guy, the creepy uh, movie employee. But I do have to ask before. Poor, poor Nick. Was it was it Nick? Nick, I believe. Oh, okay. Whatever. The, whoever the creepy old movie <laughs> guy was. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said Danny because it's a kid. Yeah, Nick. So I do have to ask though. Why did the cop just tell him to go right home and not give him a ride? It's like it's a. How old is he in this movie? Like twelve or something? Thirteen? No, like the, you can question a lot of that. The fact that like I was bringing him along, like drive alongs, and like he's gonna drop him off someplace. Like and the whole thing is like it's, it's so, right. The plotos are amazing in this movie. Right. But besides that, um, I love the idea of the kid. Like I love seeing the kid who loves movies so much, and it reminded me of when like when I was younger, and you and I would go see movies at midnight because we were so excited and everything like that, and um. It also made me miss going to the theater again, but I just love him sitting there with like his popcorn, just totally obsessed with film. And I could, once I kind of, when we got to that scene, I understood, especially why you liked this movie a lot, because you're so into film and I could see you relating to that kid a lot. You know what I mean? But like I said earlier, uh, Nick is another one of those Dr. Emmett Brown characters that, you're like uncomfortable with because you're like why are you close to this boy so late at night alone in a theater um but i did like that the mom called him or at least she didn't call him on it she called uh like danny on it she's like you stay away from that man so 
uh, didn't work, but she, you know, she did her best. Do you have anything down to the soundtrack besides a sweet song that ACDC wrote for the film? <laughs> That's pretty much, I, I mentioned that. It's classic rock songs that the audience hook up for the action. And Michael Kamen, who has worked with both John McTiernan um, and Shane Black, he did, he did scores for Lethal Weapon and Die Hard and a bunch of other action films. He's a great job using his score to capture action and any motion taking place when it needs to. So it has it had a really good mix of the score and the actual licensed music for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, the only thing I, I agree with that the the they did a great job of making you feel like you're watching an '80s or '90s action movie. So if you could change one thing about this one, Joe, what would you change? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first if you want. Sure, go ahead. This movie's long, <laughs> and definitely takes time getting to certain scenes and story progression. It's, it's almost like two movies merge into one. Part one of the film is the movie world, and part two is when they all go into the real world. And it's pretty much at the halfway point where this transition is made. There's a lot happening, starting with the movie within a movie, known as Jack Slate, which I did love. And with the production troubles the film had, I'm honestly surprised it turned out as fun as it was in the end. I definitely consider this movie more than a guilty pleasure. But if it, in the real world, if this movie was successful and he knew from the start he was going to get greenlit for a sequel, I would have loved to see this as a part one, part two movie, where it's like part one's in the movie world and then it ends with them, you know, leaving the movie world to go into the real world because he obviously had a lot of ideas for this film. So I wish it just was portrayed a little bit better and thought a little bit better. Okay, so I you I have the same answer. But so normally I say this movie needs to be shorter. And what I mean is like, you know, like a lot of the Jet, Jet Apatow movies of the past 20 years, I wish that they trimmed 15 minutes off the movie or 10 minutes. This movie needed to be legit a half an hour short, shorter. It was, and I don't know, I don't know where all the edits are, but this movie was so long. It was way too long. Um, so that's it. I mean, that that's my number one change. I, I don't know enough about the film to think of like to have a real strong opinion on where the trims could have been i think you could have done with i mean i definitely know like thinking of going like watching now like it takes <laughs> a lot of time to get to like certain like beats of the story for sure like you like look for like when the next beat's going to be like when the next important beat's going to happen to move the story along but i love the jack slate like joke scenes but you could probably trimmed most of those down like and just yeah. like like for sure that could have been trimmed down in reality you know i that love was... them that was the one example I was going to give that I can say I, I that's one that I know you could trim is like the first scene when Danny goes into the movie and he's in the convertible and they're doing like the car chase. He does a couple of like one liners and it's funny. And then they just like keep going and the chase keeps going. And the chase was going on for a little bit before he even went into the movie. So, yeah, it's just stuff like that where it's 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 way too long. I know I say that a lot, but this this is the worst this movie it needed to a trim more than any movie we've done so far. But um, that said, um, time to give our score. So as you guys know, we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So score of one is you watch the movie, you get five minutes into it and you turn it off and you return it to the rental store because you don't want to pay a late fee on it all the way up to a score of five, which is you watch it once, twice, you you want to share with friends, maybe even just buy it uh, from the rent store so you don't pay a late fee on it or you want to pay the late fees. So it's Joe's movie. I'm going to go first. <clears throat> Two out of five. Did not care for this one, but I think I need to stress that 
I think I'm a little bit, I think that's part this not being a great movie part. It's just not connecting with me. Cause like I said, I talked to some friends who love this movie. I don't know. Joe hasn't told me his score yet, but it's probably going to be higher than mine. I just think that this one is way too long. And like I said, I can't think of a movie where the length of the film lowered the score as much of it did as it did for this one. If it was 90 minutes or so, maybe like an hour and 40 minutes, it would have made a world of difference. I also have to mention that I didn't see it as a kid, so I don't have any nostalgia in it like like Joe does. Um, and I'm also not a huge Arnold guy. I know I'm like that's a rare thing for someone my age, but um, a lot of my friends loved it. I, some of the other movie podcasts that I listened to have done it, and they liked it. Um, I saw maybe I'm the weird one, but Joe, what is, what's your score? I gave it the uh, dreaded 3.75 score. It's like kind of between a four and beyond. I didn't want to go... I, I love this movie, but real, like realistically, I know it's it could be, like you said, trimmed down a little bit. So, but three point five, I think, is a little too low at the same time. So, three point seven five is that odd sweet spot for this one. So, if I, you told me that store that score right after I watched it, I would be like, "You're out of your mind." But, like I said, I talked to other friends of mine, and I listened to some other podcasts that I trust about this one, and they all kind of gave similar scores. Maybe like. You know, I mean, they don't all have scores, but my friends gave me opinions and they would probably be somewhere close. They're closer to you than they are to me. So, like I said, I think I'm the weird one, but go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, I think, like you said, it, a lot of it does come down to possibly nostalgia, like you said, but sometimes like people just like, like you said, relate to the kid in the movie or they love Arnold enough to like get behind his comedic acting in this movie more than his other films. So it's like, it all is kind of um, very on opinion. But so I wrote down, I feel like I was this kid growing up, like you mentioned. I love the movies, worship them even, and they're still a huge part of my life, obviously, which is why I'm part of this podcast with Eric here. What McTiernan, Black, and Arnett did with this film was such a cool idea, merging the movie world with the real world and making the whole thing super meta. And John especially, who comes off of making three amazing films back to back to back, two of them considered some of the best action films of all time, to make a spoof of the action genre, and a good one at that. This movie isn't for everyone, as you can see by some of those reviews, and it's and one, my score, <laughs> and <our> score. <laughs> but it's one I saw a few times in my life, starting when I was younger, and it still gets me. It's a bit long, and there's a lot happening throughout its two-hour and eleven-minute runtime. But it's definitely one I will revisit again. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. One one thing that I went back and forth with on this one was it bothered me, and then. Yeah, I went back. I was jumping back and forth from like, does this bother me or does it make me like Arnold Schwarzenegger even more? Some of the problem was a lot of his cheesy action movie lines that he was saying. I couldn't really tell that. I mean, I can tell, but it, it was almost like, is he joking or is this, is this a real Arnold movie? You know what I mean? Like, I, it just seemed like it was True Lies or any other movie. So I was wondering, I was like, would this be funnier if it was, I don't know, I can't even think of another action movie star who what it wasn't so over the top if it was bruce willis or something or it was like oh this is clearly a joke but but no i i I, while i don't care for this movie i can totally get why someone like yourself who is so into film and identifies with the kid as much likes it or why someone why people who just love um can have seen all those action movies so many times and they, and they just love the jokes and everything like that. I think, I think this is just one where it's just not for me, but um, definitely not the worst one I've done. So 
as far as uh, the beer, the beer drinking superhero sidekicks from Kings County Brewers was delicious. So uh, thank you guys for that. Keep up the good work. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. We did a few uh, suggestion episodes a couple weeks ago, uh, and we'll keep them up. We'll be back next week, uh, and we're starting with uh, starting. It's my pick next week. So we're going to be spending some time with Johnny Utah, and we're going to watch another one of Keanu's masterpieces, the 1991 action crime film Point Break. And I nice. can't wait. This is this is something I've I'm very excited for. I, I think this is. Point Break's kind of, I love speed, but Point Break's kind of like my speed. I, I I just, it's so ridiculous. I love it. So um, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And thanks again. Yep. As always, guys. Thank you.